in your red comfy seat. The film is coming to an end. And as the credits start to roll, it's time to ask the crucial question. Are you going to stick around and see if there's any of those little clips at the end? These little clips are called the post-credits scene, the tag, or the stinger. And they come after lots of famous films, like The Muppets Movie, Pirates of the Caribbean, Finding Nemo, The Matrix. So do you stick around to see them? Do they really add anything to the film? Well, most of us would agree that these clips might be interesting, but they don't make much difference to the story. So what about the ascension of Jesus? I reckon most of us think of it a bit like the post-credits scene, as an insignificant end to the story. Jesus lived a perfect life, he died, he rose again, and then he kind of had to get home somehow, so he went back up to heaven. It might be interesting, but it doesn't make much difference. I want to help us see tonight that our view of the ascension is far too small and that understanding the ascension of our Lord Jesus is crucial to appreciating his glory, has major implications for how we live, and should stir us to pray. So let's turn to Philippians chapter 2. And if you've got one of the church Bibles, that's on page 1179. And we're going to read from verse 5. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by, become obe by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. We're focusing on verses 9 to 11 tonight, but before we get started, we need to be clear that Jesus' ascension is not Paul's focus. We need to follow his argument. The Philippian church was facing oppositions from the outside and disputes on the inside. And in light of these threats, Paul calls them to stand firm in the gospel. Standing firm is impossible without unity. And this unity requires an attitude of humility. So this is why Paul writes in verse 5, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. This mindset of humility where Christ became a servant and died sacrificially for others. This is the main thing Paul wants to get across, that those who are in Christ should share Christ's attitude of humility and selflessness as they relate to each other. And verses 9 to 11 are there to show us that this, this way of humility is worth it. Christ was exalted to the highest place. Paul's saying, you should share in Jesus' mindset because it paid off. Look what happened to Christ. God honored him for his humility. But as a secondary point, these verses help us to see what the ascension's all about in verse 9 and what it leads to in verses 10 and 11. So we're told in Luke's gospel that Jesus left his disciples and was taken back up to heaven. But what's it all about? We're quite familiar with putting, the idea of putting people in a high position to give them glory and honor. 
We put Olympic gold medal winners on a podium. They're high up and exalted. We put singers and musicians on a big stage. They're high up and exalted. And we also give people names and titles to give them honor. If you make it into the Queen's honors list, you may get called sir or dame. Your name represents honor. And Paul tells us that's exactly what's happening at the Ascension. Let's read. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. The Ascension is all about Christ's honor and glory. God the Father exalted Christ to the highest place and gave him the highest name. God is called the Most High God throughout the Old Testament. He's so elevated, so glorious, so holy that is as high as you can get, higher than anything else. Yet here Christ, the one who made himself nothing and took on the nature of a slave and humbled himself to the point of death, even death on a cross, you couldn't get any lower. This Jesus is raised to the highest place and given the highest name. You can't get higher than the highest place and you can't get higher than the name that is above every name. The ascension wasn't just a mode of transport to get home. It was God the Father's way of exalting Christ, crowning him with all glory, and declaring him to be Lord over all. And verses 10 and 11 tell us that this leads to total submission. That in the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. Christ was exalted to the highest place and given the highest name so that every knee would bow before him and every tongue confess that he is Lord. Christ's ascension leads to global, cosmic submission of every created thing under the Lord Jesus. Let's take each of these in turn. Firstly, every knee. Bowing the knee is an act of submission. You, you bow the knee when you enter the, enter the king's presence to pay honor and respect and to declare, I'm your servant, I'll, I'll do whatever you ask. Well, what does this mean for us? Well, because Christ is exalted, we submit every area of our lives under his authority. We bow the knee in every decision, every thought, every feeling, every action. Because Christ ascended, we are not our own masters but constantly ask, how can I honor King Jesus and live a life of total submission to him? Secondly, every tongue. Because he ascended, we declare in our speech that he is Lord. We do this at the point of conversion, where we first acknowledge that he is Lord, and we do this as a repeated act throughout our lives, where we daily acknowledge that he is still Lord of all. Paul is borrowing the words of Isaiah 45, verse 23, where God says, before me every knee will bow, and by me every tongue will swear. These are definite events that will happen, say Isaiah and Paul. Now, as sinners turn to him in faith and acknowledge that he is Lord, and in the future, when Christ returns, even those who've refused will be compelled to bow before him. In heaven, every spiritual being. On earth, every human being. And under the earth, everyone who's already died and been buried. This passage is crystal clear that the gospel message is not simply make Jesus Lord of your life. No, Jesus Christ already is Lord. He is Lord whether we recognize it or not. 
He doesn't become Lord when we bow the knee. God has exalted him. And the only right response is to bow the knee and acknowledge that he is Lord. So the ascension is not an insignificant end to the film. It has radical implications for our lives now. It leads to total submission to and worship of King Jesus on a global scale. And this is exactly what happens at the end of Luke's gospel. If we were to read from Luke 24, verse 51, it says, while he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up to heaven. Then the disciples worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. The disciples get it spot on. They joyfully praise God. This is what the ascension ultimately leads to, the glory of God the Father. He is the one that exalted Christ, so he deserves the glory. Here are three quick suggestions for how we should pray. Number one, praise. This passage should stir our hearts. It should make us delight that the wonderful truth that Christ has been exalted should lead us to bow the knee in worship to confess that he is Lord and give glory to God. Number two, pray that these verses would become a reality here and now. This is why this church exists. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord. This is our goal as a church. This is our desire that people outside would do it for the first time, submitting their lives to Christ. And people on the inside would do it more and more growing in godliness and service to King Jesus. So let's pray these things for our church, our city, and our nation. And number three, pray about anything. When we pray about anything, we're, we're relying on the truth of Christ's ascension. Prayer itself is an act of bowing the knee and confessing with our tongues that Jesus Christ is Lord. So as we move into prayer now, we're confessing that Jesus is the, the sovereign and ascended Lord who is worthy of our praise and has power to answer our prayers.